You're listening to the Journey to Zero podcast, hosted by All Truck Zero. If you want to stay ahead of the game and find out more about the very latest green truck technology, or you're looking for hints and tips on how to decarbonize your own fleet, then this is the place for you. In this podcast, we'll be sitting down with the thought leaders who are guiding the way on the journey we're all on as we work to decarbonize the transport industry. Hello and welcome to our second episode of our podcast and I'm joined today by Justin Laney who is the General Fleet Manager from John Lewis and Partners and he's very kindly taking the time out to talk to us about his experience with biogas powered HGVs. So if you'd like to introduce yourself Justin and if we could start by outlining some of the goals and ambitions you have for your fleet at John Lewis Partners. Yeah sure thanks yeah I, I, as you said I've managed that the, um, the fleet for um, John Lewis and, and Waitrose, and that's about it's about five thousand two hundred odd, odd vehicles in total. That's everything from from cars right up to forty four ton ton trucks. And we we have uh, some commitments out there already. What w- one of them is that all of our um, heavy trucks, and there's about six hundred, will be running on biomethane by twenty twenty eight. Another one is that we'll be a um, zero carbon um, fleet, and in fact a zero carbon business by by twenty thirty five. And the other one that which is which is probably a bit more Ambitious still is that we'll be completely free of fossil fuel by 2030, um, and biomethane um, or biogas, bio you know, is um, plays a very important role in that. Yeah, I think that's absolutely wonderful, and it's really amazing to see larger companies such as John Lewis and Waitrose sort of leading the way with this, with the the resources and reach that you have. I really, really hope that it inspires you know other companies, smaller companies, and larger companies to to follow suit. So I think it's it's really wonderful. Um, so, so what is your story? What sort of led you to to become the fleet manager at John Lewis, and why why are you interested in the sustainability side of that? Yeah, it's it's, it's a it's a good question. So, so I've been the fleet manager now for about thirty five years. Um, so, I, I I started out joining London Transport on 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 buses as a, as a as a as a graduate mechanical engineer on a on a training scheme. I was there for about five years, running running workshops and running projects. Um, I then left there and worked for UPS for about 20 years, um, and that was managing fleets in uh, North Europe, Africa, um, Middle East, and the UK. And then joined uh, John Lewis um, 11 years ago now. Yeah, so, so that, that time's gone gone very quick. I, I've always been interested, I think, in the in the engineering aspect of, of running a fleet. So, so, so how do you optimize it? How do you make it um, as efficient as you possibly can? As, as safe as you possibly can and the challenge of, of converting a, a diesel fleet to a zero carbon fleet is very much an engineering challenge so yeah i i, I find it fascinating um i wouldn't describe myself as a, as a kind of green campaigner but i, I think i'm uh, an engineer who's, who's very interested in, in in solving the problems that that we need to solve in order to reduce things that like like, like, a, like a global warming and, and the creation of gases that affect um air quality yeah okay that's really interesting um, and so why did you choose to go for biomethane out of all the options that are out there, such as hydrogen vegetable oil, you know, your biodiesel, hydrogen, electric? What, what drew you towards biomethane? Yeah, it, um, it's, it, that's another good question. So, so we, but back in nearly 10 years ago now, we, we knew we needed to find a solution for diesel and we focused on the long distance heavy trucks. Um, because although they were they were only about fifteen percent of the fleet, they they created about seventy percent of our of our carbon emissions. So so that was the area to focus um, first of all. 
we looked at different options. We thought biomethane was probably the answer, um, but we we did what we often do with, with with problems like this when there's the our understanding is 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 kind of stretched. Um, so we engaged with academics, and in in this case, we engaged with Imperial University. They've got a very strong biofuels department, and we asked them to look at the different biofuels available. And that that was everything from biomethane to to biodiesel. Um, and alcohol and, and other ones um, as well to 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 figure out what was properly sustainable um, because not all not all biofuels are, are sustainable so it was very important we, we didn't um, uh, adopt a fuel that was proven later on not to be sustainable and one example is that, that a lot of biofuels are created from energy crops and, and you know when the people starving in the world there's a controversy about should you be converting fields to grow fuel when they when you could be growing um, food so we didn't want to get in um, uh, involved in, in anything that, that, that could be controversial from that point of view. But likewise, some of the feedstocks for biodiesel, um, you know, palm oil, again, very, very controversial. Um, so we didn't want to go down that, that particular route. But the, 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 the learnings that came out of the work with Imperial was that there was only really one biofuel that was properly sustainable um, and was going to be available in, in large enough quantities. And was also um, also had a business case because that, that that was the other really important thing. You know, we, we all operate in in businesses um, with with pretty low profit margins, so we, we can't afford to adopt a fuel that's more expensive. Um, and biomethane had had had, had the huge benefit that it, it, it was also cheaper than than diesel. So so that was the one that we picked. Um, and the, the the learning from from Imperial was were that it had to be biofuel from from uh, waste materials. Um, and that's where we are now. So, so all of the biomethane that we use now comes from, from waste materials. Okay, that, that's absolutely brilliant um, that, that it is from waste as opposed to palm oil and growing, you know, growing it for um, biomethane. So that, that's really interesting. And so where, where is this, is it sourced from then, the biomethane that, that you use if it's not from, from these sources? Yeah, it, it's, it's most, most of it um, comes from food waste. Um, and that's either directly from from food um, going to waste, but but also from the the waste material from, from food processing. So, for example, um, with a lot of things like, like for example, you know, carrots when when they're when they're processed, the carrot tops will, will get will get wasted. Typically, it's that, that those, those kind of those kind of things that can be um, recycled in, um, into biomethane. So it's not taking food from the food chain. Um, and and the, the benefit of doing that is, is that the aim with 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 food waste um, is, is is always to reduce it as much as possible, but but there, there, there are there are certain wastes that you simply can't avoid through food processing. So um, yeah, that, that most of most of our food waste comes from yeah food processing waste rather than you know food that's been rejected. Okay, well, that's that's brilliant. Um, so I don't know whether you have a, a figure for this, but how much CO two sort of on average will you be saving by choosing biomethane over diesel? Yeah, so each of our trucks generates between 100 and 120 um, tons of CO2 if it's a diesel tr um, truck, um, and and that, that that's that, that's that's based on on an average um, mileage of about 170,000 kilometres um, a year. So 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 broadly, a, a truck doing that will will generate just over 100 tons of CO2. With with the biomethane, we we reduce that to about 20 tons. So yeah, it's it's about an 80% reduction. Um, yeah. We are also um, expecting to be able to source zero carbon biomethane in the future, and that, that's um, that's biomethane that's been sourced from from um, products like, like like animal slurry. 
so it's not not the most pleasant feedstock, but but um but that can be zero carbon. So so that 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 will take us um all the way for those heavy trucks to our our ambition of of being um of being zero carbon, um and and, and we're hoping that's going to be available uh, next year. Um, oh. I, I, overall, then for for the fleet, if if we were running the fleet currently on diesel, we we, we generate about a hundred thousand tons um of diesel a year. Um, and we, we are we are eating into that um, rapidly now. So, so yeah, it's, it's it's a significant price to go for. Yeah, absolutely. It, it sounds like that's a that's a massive saving of CO two. So, yeah, incredibly impressive. Um, and so, what what manufacturers have you decided to partner with for your biomethane vehicles, and and why? Yeah, it, it, it's a, it's a fairly limited choice at the moment. So, so um, Scania. Iveco and, and Volvo all, 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 all make um, trucks that will run on, on, on methane or, or biomethane. We've, most, most of the trucks that we have are, are, are Scania's. We've decided that of, of the two options of how you store the gas in the truck, you can either store it as a liquid or you, or you can store it as, um, as a compressed gas. There are, there are benefits to each, but for us, um, the compressed works, works better. Um, so if you want to go compressed gas, that, then your choice is limited to um, Scania or Iveco. So yeah, most of our trucks are, are Scania, um, but we also have some of Echoes uh, on, on the fleet. Okay, that's interesting. And is it quite difficult to source these vehicles? Is there a limited amount um, or do they take longer to, to build, etc.? Is, is it difficult buying them? Um, it's, it's not difficult to buy them particularly, that they are more expensive. Um, and, and, and there is a, uh, the, the, increasingly they're becoming standard sort of factory produced um, vehicles. Initially, the, the, the first ones that we had, we had to um, source uh, fuel tanks of the right size because it was important for us that the truck had a 500 mile range. We, we didn't want that the standard trucks then had a range of about 350 miles. And that would have meant um, in a dispatch um, situation, you'd, you'd have to always be thinking about, you know, can we do this run on a gas truck or can it be diesel? So, so one key thing for us was to achieve a, a 500 mile range. And that meant we had to source tanks. You can now get those as a as a factory fit, um, and the factories have also evolved from, from tanks that had to be sourced from other suppliers and sometimes fitted by other suppliers to actually being literally a production line fit. So, as a vehicle goes down the production line, it'll it'll either be a gas truck or a, or a diesel truck. It, it doesn't doesn't make a lot of difference. Um, so, in 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 those terms, yeah, the, the sourcing them is not not too difficult, um, but they are more expensive. Uh, the biggest challenge. I think with any alternative fuel, and that, that, that's whether you're going biomethane or electric um, for vans, is, is the infrastructure is always more, more difficult. Um, and what's really what's really important is that your infrastructure is ready before your your trucks are. So 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 infrastructure, yeah, I, I, I would say is, is the is is a bigger challenge than than, than trucks. Okay, well, that's really interesting. And, and what would you suggest for the infrastructure? Do you have your own? You know, do you store it at your own depots or? Do you are you able to go and fuel from a, a usual fuel station? How is that working at the moment? Yeah, our preferred model and and, and the, the way it works in most cases for us um, is that we we work with a, a, a fuel supplier um, and there's a there's a few out there. We, we work with um, with CNG Fuels. We work with with Elikid and with the Gasrec. Um, so our, our preferred model is is to work with them. Uh, and we say, look, we're, we're going to put some gas trucks, or we intend to put some gas trucks in, in this di distribution centre here. Um, it'd be great if you guys could find some land nearby and build a filling station. And that, that's that, that's that, that's how it's worked in, um, in the past. So they, they then build a filling station nearby that's, that's that's kind of public access, but 
but our, our, our fleet provides the kind of anchor to it that the, the, the means that they, they've got a, a kind of guaranteed level of business um, with it. So that's not always possible to achieve there. We, we achieve it in most cases. We have a couple of um, interim stations at the moment in the Milton Keynes area, which are, which are based on our site, um, while a much larger public access one is, is, is built nearby. Um, and we have one site um, down in Bracknell where the, the, uh, there was simply, there wasn't land available nearby, there weren't other customers nearby, um, and the gas main was, was quite somewhere off. So, so in that case, we partnered with Elikid and that they've, they've um, put a filling station down on our site there. Um, and that's, that's working very well, that's, that's, that's fueling 60 trucks um, every day. Yeah, that's really interesting. It is the complete reverse, isn't it, of buying a usual diesel truck is thinking about the fuel station and then, then going, going to buy your truck. So, yeah, really, really interesting. Do you know how much footfall the, the biomethane fueling station is getting at the minute? Is there quite a few trucks around or is it still? Yeah, I, I think it's like a lot of things. It, it, it takes longer to get off the ground than the people involved in it think will probably happen. But I think its its penetration is probably deeper than also than people think will happen. So so that there's now there's been some some people involved in the early days, where one of them um, and a couple of like UPS was another one, Hermes and so on. Um, but but now it's it seems to be really really taking off, and and, and you hear some of the very largest fleets um, uh, are, are are starting to get involved in it. So some I probably can't mention, but 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 you you, you could if you think probably of, of most of the large fleets, but particularly the the own account fleet, so the fleet's carrying their own goods, they have to have the freedom to decide. A lot of those, I would say probably the majority of those are going down um, the route of, of, a, of a biomethane. Um, it's a little bit more difficult for the, the three PLs, you know, when, when their customer needs to be um, wanting it. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it, 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 I think it's, it, it, its day has come. Um, and the, there's a lot of gas filling stations being, being built now. Um, so the network's increasing rapidly, and that, that, that makes it a lot easier than, than for the smaller operators. Um, so, you know, if, if your fleet size doesn't justify a filling station being built for you, then if there's not one sort of near, nearby already, there, there will be before too long. Um, and it also means for the operators that, that, you know, kind of go out for a whole week. A few years ago, you wouldn't have been able to have, to have done that um, and fill that. Now there's probably, or, or very soon, there'll be enough filling stations that you could have confidence that you could always you know, fill up somewhere um, on that route um, and still get back to base um, at the end of the week. That's brilliant. That's really, really good. Um, and so you're talking about you know, refueling with biomethane. Is there a big cost difference to biomethane compared, compared to diesel or is, is there a comparison between that? Yeah, it, it, the, uh, there is a big difference. Um, it's, it's not quite as big as it was um, pre-COVID. Uh, pre so, so one one effect COVID had was 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 to reduce the diesel price quite significantly, and gas hasn't hasn't gone down quite as much, but 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 it's still a great deal cheaper. You do burn a bit more of it, so 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 kind of in terms of of energy, you, you use a bit more energy with gas than you do um, with 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 diesel. You buy it differently, so so diesel you buy liters and 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 gas you buy in in, in the kilograms, and you know, very, very roughly, and this is very rough. You, you, you'll, you'll, if you're, if you're, if you're using a liter of diesel, you'll probably be using about a liter of, of gas. Um, so, uh, so yeah, in, in the 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 business case means that we we save 
about 20,000 quid a year on, on fuel cost. Um, based, based on pre-COVID numbers, it's a bit less now, it's probably more like about 15,000 now. Um, uh, so so that, that's a pretty significant saving. You have got some, some, some higher costs, the, the truck costs more, so your depreciation is higher or, or your lease cost is, is higher if, if you lease vehicles. The maintenance cost is a little bit higher because you've got more routine maintenance. Um, but overall, yeah, it's, it, it's, a, it, it's a very positive business case. Yeah, that's really that's really interesting. I didn't realise there was such big savings with biomethane, so that's brilliant. Um, but talking about the the cost of the new truck, what what is the difference? Is it quite major? What what sort of is it? Yeah, so so again, re- real kind of broad numbers here. Um, a typical diesel truck for us is about seventy grand to buy. Um, a gas one with long range tanks is about a hundred. Um, so yeah, it's is about thirty grand more. So so it is it is. Pretty significant. We, we, we th- in terms of the other costs, I say that the maintenance cost, um, the routine maintenance cost is a little bit higher, but we, we expect the the long term maintenance cost to to be fairly similar. And and the reason for that is that when you look at a modern kind of Euro six diesel truck, it's got an incredibly complex exhaust system, and, and we're starting to see some some quite big builds and maintenance of of early Euro six trucks. It's also got a very very complex and high tech. Uh, a fuel injection system, um, and again, we're seeing some some very some very chunky builds on some of that stuff. The the gas truck, in, in contrast, has got a very simple injection system and a very simple exhaust system. So, so I think longer term, the maintenance costs will probably balance out. Um, and likewise, with residual values, um, I think that there'll be there'll be a pretty good market for for secondhand gas trucks. So, I, I, our assumption is overall, the gas truck will cost a bit more, and the and the the, the residual values will be about the same, but that's, that's probably a pretty conservative um, assessment. So yeah, I, I'm kind of optimistic that the it might actually work out a bit more favorable than that. I, I, I should say as well, that the numbers I'm giving you are based based on the price that we pay for the gas and that that, that, will, that will obviously vary supplier to supplier. Um, and it's also based on doing the mileage that we do. So like, like all, um, well, like, like most alternative fuels, it, it, they tend to cost more up front, so the trucks cost more, the infrastructure costs more, but the fuel cost tends to be lower. And the lower fuel cost of, offsets the higher upfront costs. But it does mean that the more miles you do, the more the more savings you make. Um, and there's a kind of break-even point where, um, you know, for low mileage trucks, it, 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 it won't be cost-effective. And it's, it's just all, all those factors combined to kind of determine exactly where that where that break-even point is. Um, but certainly for, for typical trucks on long distance um, transport, particularly two axle tractors. Um, and I'd say, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a, a very clear strategy, I think, to use biomethane where you can. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. And, and interesting that you don't think they will depreciate as much as we might expect because there will be a market potentially for used, used gas trucks. So yeah, that, that's interesting to hear. Um, so another, another thing that I think people will be interested in is how reliable they are compared to diesel trucks. I know that you said maintenance may cost a little bit more, but I don't know whether you've noticed a difference in breakdowns between your gas and your diesel trucks. It'd be interesting to hear about that. Yeah, in, 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 in the early days, um, we had some some problems, nothing too horrendous, nothing that wasn't um, fixed under warranty. Gas trucks run um, much hotter than diesel trucks. So the problems you have tend to be around heat. So so things like um, exhaust systems, turbochargers, those 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 kind of things we, we, we had some issues with on, on, on the early trucks. Um, as I say, it's it's not it's not it's not significant, um, and longer term we expect that the the 
that things will even out, you know, as as as, as the Euro six issues um, start to bite a little bit more. Um, but, but yeah, it, it it is something to watch out for. We we, we do do our, our maintenance in house, so we have our own uh, our, our technicians are, are trained up on on operating gas trucks. That that that's another bit of expense. Um, we also have you know gas detection and workshops and gas venting now workshops. So so there's some other expenses that that, that come into it. Um, but overall, no, it's it's been um, Given that, that we started this in about 2015, um, I was expecting to find a lot more problems with it. But no, it's, 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 been, it's been an easier journey than we as any thought it would be, to be honest. Yeah, oh, that's, that's brilliant. Yeah, really interesting. Um, and so the difference for technicians and drivers, I mean, particularly drivers, what, what's the difference for them in between a gas and a diesel truck? Is it quieter or what, what would they feel? Yeah, the, the, the performance is, is, is very similar. Um, it, it depends a bit on the application. So, so we, we operate fairly light tractors, fairly low power anyway. So for, for people, it's, it's, it's more, more difficult if you're, if you're operating maximum weight um, tractors. So, so currently our, our 44-ton um, tractors are, are still on, on diesel, and we're, we're expecting a gas solution for those in, in, the, in the next year or two probably. Um, but those are more challenging um, for sure. It, but in, in in terms of um, so in terms of performance, about the same on the vehicle like that. Um, the the drivers prefer them. They say they they are they are quieter and they are, they, they also run a lot more smoother. Um, and in fact, when you're in, when you're in a yard and a, and, a, and a gas truck goes past you, it is really striking how how quiet it is. Um, so drivers report that they they feel less fatigued at the end of the day. Um, and they also say that their the families like the fact they don't go home smelling a diesel. Because what one one kind of unexpected consequence is if you look at a a gas filling station, um, it's completely clean, you know, because there's no the the fuel isn't 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 spilt, and if you did spill it, it, it just goes straight up in the atmosphere. So so it's um it's just one of those consequences you, that you don't think of, but but for drivers, it's it's it's, it's important, understandably. Yeah, absolutely. And what is a safety like for drivers? Is it similar because of, you know they're driving above a gas tank, I suppose? So is it more dangerous for them? Do you think, or is it is it quite similar? Um, I, it's it it's it's pretty similar, I would say. Um, it's that like, like all risks, I think you have to understand it and 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 train for it. Um, the risks are, are different. So, so in our case, we, we store um, gas in a compressed form. So from a filling point of view, it's it's, it's very very easy. Um, you know, you, you you plug it in, push a button, um, wait for a light to change colour, and then unplug it. Um, you you can you can run trucks on 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 a, on a liquid biomethane. In a, in that case, it's 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 there are risks in there that have to be controlled. So the drivers got to wear PPE um, because it's a very cold liquid, and if you splash it on the skin, it causes a problem. So you got to wear gauntlets, you got to wear a face mask, um, and so on. So so for in in terms of, of, of safety, I, I'd say it's it's a it's about the same, um, and the risks are, are just different. You know, your your the risk with with gas is it, you you've got gas stored on the truck at very high pressure, and of course it's it's it, it's, it's flammable. Um, gas doesn't explode unless you you contain it. You know, for example, in a building. So if if you had the most horrendous leak out out in the yard, um, you wouldn't have an enormous uh, explosion. The initial tanks that we fitted, um, they were tested by people firing bullets into them and all sorts of things, you know. And, and again, there wasn't an explosion um, from that. So, so the, the I think we, we we take for granted the risks associated with with diesel. So, so 
if you have a diesel spillage, obviously it, it, it stays on the ground. Um, and if diesel catches fire, it's very hard to, to put out. So, so, so there are risks around that. And, and in fact, kind of early in the days um, of us being involved, you know, I was asked at one point, you know, did I feel comfortable with the fact that we were storing several tons of, of gas on site? And you then remind people that we have on some on some sites we, we have tanks, you know, with 150,000 plus liters of, of, of diesel. Um, and 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 that's that's a, a risk that we understand. We we manage it. Um, and it's, it's it's just you've got to think of it. I think think of it more in those terms of, about you know with all risks you, you need to understand it. You've got to manage it. Um, and as long as you do both both of those things, then then you're in you're you're in you know reasonably safe hands. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess that would be similar for your HGV technicians as well. With with the working on it, it's just you know, you know realizing the the risks and taking care of them. So yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, and for your technicians, you say they have to have special training. Is that quite a, a long course that they have to go on, or on? And who provides that? What What do you do for that? No, it's 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 it's, it's reasonably straightforward. Um, and 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 it's something that they learn um in college. Um, okay. and and it's it's so the risks there that we teach around around sort of maintenance of of, um, of high pressure pipe work. So that the the pipe works at at two hundred bar, which is about sort of getting on for 3000 PSI. So, so um, you can't just, you know, uh, loosen off a pipe. Um, you've got to, you've got to make sure that it's not pressurized. First of all, you've also got to understand how to repair high pressure pipe work. So they do a, a short course on maintenance and repair of high pressure pipe work. They also do a, um, a kind of familiarization with, with the, the things on the gas truck, which should, which should, which should to, to a diesel truck. So we have gas detection um, in the workshops. We fitted roof vents now so that be, because the the, the, the biomethane is lighter than air, um, if you have a leak in a workshop, it goes up into the roof void. Um, so we have um, vents there now that, that will that will open up and and, re and reset. Not that we've had problems with that at all. It's, it's, it's pretty much a belt and braces approach, I think that is, but because it's a, it's a kind of long-term strategy, we thought it was, it was worthwhile doing. Um, so no, it, it it is it's similar. I think with all alternative fuels, you know, it's the same with electric vehicles that that um, the batteries on those can be 400 volts or or 800 volts, and, and technicians' instincts, if you, if they're faced with a broken down vehicle, is to always you know delve in and fix it and understand it. So so before they do that, you've got to understand, you've got to you know train about working with high voltages. You've got to have the right tools um, available. So it's, it's it's the same with 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 any new technology. I think it goes back to understanding it, training it. Yeah, no, that that's very true. Um, so yeah, if so, if an operator wanted to transition their fleet to gas, or maybe either part of their fleet to gas, what steps should they take to do that? Um, I, I would I would certainly say to talk to someone who's already doing it. Um, and and I've, I've I've talked to many operators on on our experience, and we're showing quite a few around our operation. Um, I, I would say trial a truck. You know the. The manufacturers have got trial um, trucks. Some of the the suppliers um, have got trial trucks. Uh, so, for example, CNG Fuels have got two trial 44 ton um, trucks, and, and that, that's that's an important sector for for us. We, we operate two axle trucks, and, and 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 for that, it's it's a bit of a no brainer really to go CNG. That's nice and easy. The 44 tons, you're you've got much less space on the chassis, so you, your your choice with that is either to go liquid or, or to have a much smaller range. So, so I think operators of 44 tonners need, need to understand, first of all, 
can they work within that that constraint? And I, I would always say, if you can go CNG, go CNG rather than liquid gas. Um, I, I would also say a lot of operators at 44 tons um, don't actually need the whole 44 tons. You know, that they, 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 they very, very rarely operate it at that weight. So, so look at operating at 40 tons um, on a two axle tractor on, on CNG. So, so yeah, I, but I, I would say talk to people, do a trial, um, and if that works for you, then think about buying trucks. And I, I, I would, I'll probably say buy, you know, a small number um, in year one, and just make sure they work for you and, and get the experience, um, and then build it up from there. You know, we, we we tend to do a probably two or three year trial period of of just that. We'll 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 borrow a truck, do a trial. If that works, we'll buy one or two vehicles. If that works, the following year we might buy you know ten or fifteen. And if that works, we then do kind of full-scale rollout um, uh, afterwards. But but it's, it's it's quite a long process because you want to really understand it before you you, you kind of go down that route. It's it's, it's not something that you'd want to do half-hearted. I, I think you you probably got to take a strategic decision that you would you would move wholesale over um, to gas um, over time and, and and kind of map that that, that route out. Um, yeah. I think the other thing is the other thing to consider is that. Well, two other things really that are very important. One of them is is that, um, but probably more so in the early days, less so now. But if if you're reliant on on a gas filling station to fuel your fleet, you've got to think about um, about how resilient is it. You know, is, if there's a power cut or if if there's if it's damaged, um, uh, is there enough redundancy built into it that it'll 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 still keep fueling trucks? And 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 that's that's a that's a conversation to have with your, with your gas supplier. Also to think about well, if that one you know got taken out for whatever reason, um, what would I do? You know, is are, are there other sites within the area or other sites on on route that you could use? And I'd always say limit l- limit the gas trucks in your fleet, um, at least in the short term, so that you could cope with an outage of your of your main site if you thought that 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 was a risk, um, or at least at least have a plan. You know, if you can borrow vehicles from someone else or, or do something different. So yeah, so, so so lots of things to think about. Um, but but I, I I think it is it is if you're not looking at this, then your rivals probably are. So so, so I, I would um, uh, yeah I I, I I would certainly give it some attention. Yeah, absolutely. That's some some really good advice there. Um, so just just out of interest, if you know if everyone were to to go to biogas, biomethane. Um, what what is the infrastructure there? Is there enough for for all of the UK's trucks, or how many how many could we support? Yeah, there's there's again good question. That there's 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 not enough there for all the trucks in the UK to run on on, on the biomethane. Um, there's probably enough by 2030 for about half of the long distance trucks um, that are out there to run on on biomethane. Um, and and so so it's you you see all, all sorts of estimates on on how much biomethane is out there. So so um, and it depends on what side of the fence you're on. You know if 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 you're a, in the industry, you're you're probably you're probably a bit more um, opt- optimistic than someone who's who's, who's trying to pour cold water over it. So so yeah, there's there's a lot of scope for long distance heavy trucks. Um, bearing in mind that of the I think it's about half a million HGVs in the UK. Of, of those, you know maybe 100, 150,000 are, are are long distance heavy trucks. Um, for things like 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 seven and a half ton trucks, it's it's not it's not an option that you would you would look at. Um, like likewise for a real urban truck, um, it's probably not the first port of call. The, the business case probably doesn't doesn't pay for itself, and you might be wanting to 
to look electric, you know, further down the line. So, so for, for those trucks, yeah, it, it can make a, a big difference. But I think the other important thing is that 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 if you're not running on biomethane, but you're running on ordinary methane, so, so the same gas you get out of the grid, it's it's, it's chemically identical. The the truck doesn't know whether it's running on you know fossil gas from the grid or or, or biomethane. Um, there's still benefits there for long distance trucks, and again, less less so for urban ones. But for long distance trucks, there's there's, there's still a benefit there um, of a carbon saving of of yeah, there might only be be ten percent, but that, that's that's worth having, and the cost savings there as well. Um, and you also got the, the kind of driver benefits of you know the quietness and um, and so on. So so we 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 I I think that there's a case to be made for 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 using. Um, fossil gas, e- even if um, biomethane isn't available, um, and just 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 to go back to those those urban trucks. In fact, one 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 other reason that we like it is that for for urban trucks, you know, for, if you're serving supermarkets, for example, in in urban areas, you're you're very often limited on on what times you can go in. Um, so there's often a curfew. What one one benefit of a so, so a, a traditional diesel truck. Um, is obviously more noisy than a, than a gas truck, and if you're if you're hauling groceries, then you also got a fridge on on the on the trailer. And the, the fridges tend to be pretty noisy, and they're also very very dirty. They don't have the after treatment that, that truck engines do. So our solution for that is is, is to use a a gas truck um, with a, an additional alternator on it that, that, that then powers the fridge electrically. So you then have a, a a very clean, very very quiet combination, and our, our argument is that a truck like that should be able to go in, into a city, um, you know, maybe an hour later than it normally could do. So maybe deliver at eleven o'clock rather than ten o'clock at night, or maybe you know six in the morning rather than seven in the morning. Um, and if you look at London and and um, you know schemes like the the London Lorry Control Scheme, which which often it, it's it's not intended to, but it has the effect of of, of driving truck operators. To, to hit London, you know, at seven in the morning, um, at the same time where you know all the other cars are on the road and people are you know taking the kids to school and and, and the cyclists are out, it, it, it doesn't make an awful lot of sense. But so I think um, a gas truck with a with an electric fish trailer, um, if that was allowed in at later times, is, is is a kind of win-win. You know, it's 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 quiet, it's safe, um, and it's it's on the roads at the time when vulnerable road, road users aren't on there and it's not adding to congestion so so yeah lots of other benefits there as well yeah absolutely it sounds like it and i didn't realize the technology was out there to convert gas to electric for the, the bridges so that's brilliant really interesting to hear about um so just just wondering for, for your targets are you making any other transitions with your fleet to, to reach your 2045 target or is it just a biomethane that you're you're investing in no, it's 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 pretty much everything. So 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 um, to achieve that, all all our cars um, and our vans and, and and light trucks will need to be electric. Um, so we're very much pursuing um, that route. At, at the moment, we don't have many electric vehicles on the road. That's mainly because the the ones the kind of size that we need aren't, aren't available. Um, so for example, for for weight trace home delivery, we need a, a 4.25 ton gross um, weight van. Those those are only limited in in very small numbers, um, but we're working with a company called Arrival that's, that's building a ground-up version, and, and our first four arrivals um, touched down in, in the in the uh, third quarter of the, this this year. So we're looking forward to those. Um, but yeah, we, we we have about 
was it's going to be about two and a half thousand vans um, and about 350 seven and a half tons to convert to electric um, and about a thousand cars in that time scale as well. But, but we have a, a plan for all of that. We know what we're going to do. So the the, the, the plan I'm sure will will evolve um, over that kind of nine year period. But but but, I, but it's it's it, it is. It's great now that, that, that I think you, you can put together a credible plan for pretty much uh, all, all, all the major niches of, of, of transport. There's, there's, there's some little little bits left. So at, at the moment, for example, for, for shunters and yards, um, there is an electric version out there. Um, but we think for, the, for things like that and for, for farm vehicles, because we have a, a farm on Wetros as well, that, that, that we'll be using HVO biodiesel um, in those. But the vast majority of it will be biomethane for long distance um, and electric for for over and short distance um, vehicles. Yeah, absolutely. So, how many how many um, biomethane trucks do you have in your fleet now, and how many do you plan to have? We've, we've currently got um, two hundred and twenty eight um, gas trucks um, out of a total of, of about six hundred. So, we expect to buy another hundred um, this year. So, no, we, we are in full scale rollout, um, and, uh, and and yeah, it's it's. it's um, it's working well for us. We've, there's only one site left, so we, we have um, five sites now where we have gas trucks running and, and, and filling stations either on either on site either on site or nearby. There's one more left to do um, down in Oxford and Kent. Um, so we expect to be, be um, partnering up with someone to, to put a filling station in there in, in the next year or two, and then then start putting gas trucks down there as well. That's fantastic. Um, and what what do you see as the most realistic path? On the road to, to zero for commercial vehicles or do you think it's a combination of everything really like hydrogen electric biodiesel biomethane what do you think will be the best yeah i i think they'll all have niches um i think the attraction of biomethane is that is that you can do it right now for long distance trucks and, and that's that's the hardest the hardest sector to decarbonize but also the most important one to go for because of its, its emissions um so it's Going to be a combination of those. Um, I I think for, for smaller vehicles up to seven and a half tons, it's it's a bit of a no-brainer that electric um, battery vehicles will be the answer. Um, I think beyond that, um, biomethane certainly in the in the in the medium term, possibly long term. Um, I think it's going to. I think the the battery long distance truck is a is a very long way away, um, if ever. And that's not just because of the, the cost of the batteries that you would need and the weight of them, but also the challenge of charging, you know, 100 trucks overnight with with enormous batteries. I I, I just don't really see that working. Um, hydrogen's got the problem; it's 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 very very inefficient. Um, you only get out about 30% of the energy that you put into it, so um, that will make it expensive because it is using a lot like a lot more energy. But I think that will have its niche. You know, maybe not in the UK, but but certainly for for, for far-flung places where, where you where you really want to go um zero carbon and there's not a lot of, it, of infrastructure so you know northern norway probably hydrogen's the answer the other one that we like though is is is, is overhead catenary um so that's um a system called siemens e-highway um so it's r- r- rather like um overhead tram lines or overhead in the kind of rail lines um still a conventional truck underneath it um and and that 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 is it sounds kind of crazy when you first hear about it, um, but I think it's got a huge potential and it, and it is very, very efficient. So, so um, I would like to see that sort of proliferating in 10, 15 years time. And, and, and it, it might be that takes over from biomethane for a, a big part of the market. But I think we're all pretty relaxed about the fact that 
you know, if, if bimethane takes us through to 2035 and, and for many operators beyond, then that's, that's, that's still a good solution. Um, and it's just a kind of bonus if, if the catenary um, happens as, as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really interesting area as well, the e-highway system. So, yeah, definitely. So just one final question for you. Um, what do you think that we can do as people in the in the industry to help increase everyone's confidence in these alternative fuels and alternative ways? Yeah, um, I, I, I think talking about it and, and, you know, doing things like this, this, this kind of podcast to share information is, is one thing. Um, I think government have a role in ensuring that the the, the business cases is, is secure and the goalposts won't change um, suddenly. And and I think they've been very good at that. So so one thing that that um, that we and many others were involved in was 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 talking to Treasury about uh, uh, guaranteeing the difference between gas fuel duty and diesel fuel duty. Um, so that, that that's now fixed until 2032. So um, we. We know the Treasury won't suddenly turn around and, and you know, whack up the cost of biomethane and, and uh, uh, make everyone look, look, look a bit daft. So, so, yeah, I, I, I would, I would say talking about it for sure and and and, and trialing it and, um, and likewise, you know, companies like Old Truck probably offering offering gas trucks on there or or, or at least talking to customers about the, the potential benefits and helping them on on that journey. I, I think Absolutely. is really, um, yeah, really important. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Right, is there anything else that we should know about biomethane before we go? Or uh, no, I, I, I think we probably covered it. Um, yeah, it's um, no, it's been good to have a chance to to talk about it. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you ever so much for your time. And yeah, thank you very much. No, pleasure. Thank you. Yeah.